Welcome to Sacrifice to Success podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of the Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. We are here back for another episode. And today, my guest is Stacy Danheiser. Welcome, Stacy. Hello. Thanks for having me. You bet. So just start with uh, telling us a little bit about you, where you're from, what you do. Yes. Yep. So my name is Stacey Danheiser, and I am the founder and CMO at Shake Marketing Group. Um, we have been in business since 2014, and we're a B2B marketing consultancy. We work with um, scaling organizations to help them with uh, customer research, value proposition development, and marketing strategy. And I have a long uh, corporate career before that, before I decided to start my own thing. So um, okay. I kind of grew up with Fortune 500 companies and now bring those practices into, um, into my consultancy. Nice. And were you also doing marketing with those companies before? Yes. Yep. I have spent, I started my career in consumer marketing uh, and then I switched over to B2B about halfway through. And then I spent equal time on strategy and the other half on execution. So I've kind of gotten the whole sort of round uh, experience around, around marketing and have seen it from all the different angles, um, big companies, small companies. Um, nice. So, yep. <laughs> well, I imagine that's really helpful as you're working with people, just having that breadth of experience in all those different areas. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. There is really no one size fits all for marketing. So um, it's it's good to be able to draw from that and and help companies build a marketing strategy and plan that is specifically aligned to their own customers because nice. um, yes we we see a lot of copycat marketing going on these days yeah yeah okay so well there's so many directions we can go but I'm curious to start with um, you since you've been in this for a, quite a long time uh, eight years or so. So you you knew what it was like before and then into the pandemic and then kind of coming out of it. So how, like, what was your experience of that? And, um, you know, what changes did you make? And, you know, or was it not that big of a deal for you? Because I've talked to a lot of business owners and for some people, it was like, actually awesome. Right. <laughs> Business-wise, <laughs> business-wise. Um, and then others that was really challenging for. So what was your experience? Yes. So the challenge for me, um, when I started, I was already remote. So I was working with clients um, across the US and the UK. So I was already kind of had the whole remote uh, work set up at home. I think my added challenge during the pandemic was that all of a sudden my husband was working from home. My kids were also doing school online. So it became kind of like they were, you know, crowding my space mm -hmm. <laughs> and learning new routines and habits. Um, but I think, yeah, business was was interesting and good. Um, it was a little bit challenging in the beginning, right? Because we, we were all sort of worried about what would happen and how this would impact the economy. But yeah. as it as we've come through it, the the surge for marketing talent and the surge for marketing activities has, I think, grown by 300 percent. 
And there are so many marketing jobs open now. It really shone a light, I think, on how well companies were connected to their customers or how they were disconnected from their customers. And so, um, you know, I think that's been great as a marketer to see because often businesses view marketing as an expense, not as an investment. And I think that was the the pandemic. Sometimes it takes something major like, you know, the global recession or a pandemic to um, get get, uh, companies back to really what is driving their business and what the core and what the, what the, uh, the main problem is that they are in business to to solve, um, and the main goal, which is to get customers. And so, you know, right. we all kind of get so far removed from that that it, sometimes it takes a, a massive shakeup to remind us. Oh, by the way, it's about people, and it's about relationships, and it's about you know long term sustainable growth and and um, getting customers and acquiring them and keeping them. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you when you're working with companies and you know, like you just shared they often just see it as an expense. How do you help shift their mindset to see? And then what would you say if it's not an expense, what would you, how do you, how are you pointing them so that they see it in a different light? Yes. So um, I'll, I, I work with companies, um, scaling organizations, as well as fortune 500 companies that have like a specific business unit where I will say marketing has been neglected. So often when I come in, it's been very, there's very obvious symptoms that they have like a band-aid approach to marketing. Um, Often in these organizations, marketing is seen as a tactical executor. They're seen as the communication function, right? Oh, we'll bring marketing in when it's ready to be put on social media or to be put on the website, you know, or to send out a press release Um, Mm -hmm. versus kind of when I, my lens that I like to look through is customer value. Do you know what your customers actually want and need and value from your organization? And then part two, are you delivering that? So, you know, we get, um, I think a lot of people kind of get stuck on, on either side of that path. And it becomes very obvious when I start the conversation from a customer value lens. Now, all of a sudden, it's not about marketing tactics, right? It's not about, yeah. do you have an email system and a social media system? It's, it becomes really about what I believe is the core role of marketing, which is to understand the customers and to deliver value for customers. And that could be in the form of, of content in sales interactions. And of course, in the product and what they're experiencing, why they ultimately bought something from, from the company. So that's kind of where I um, start the conversation and, and questions that, that I would encourage, you know, business owners to, to really evaluate, which is how often are we talking to our customers how well do we really know them? Do we have our pulse on, on what it is that they want and need? And then are we delivering that? And kind of mm-hmm. what would what what would they say their experience is and how would they how do they rate it? So um, you know, in consumer marketing, we we would do, we would budget for customer research. And that was a, that was a given. You would do customer research. You wouldn't go spend millions of dollars to launch a product or do a, a big campaign without first testing it and mm-hmm. and we did focus groups and one-on-one phone calls and we would, we would test design and we would test copy and, and we would buy research reports and we would have um, data and analytics done. And, and this was a, just a methodical practice when I switched over to B2B. However, um, what I found was that a lot of companies just aren't, the marketing team doesn't have a budget to do customer research. They're relying on their sales team to tell them what's going on with the customers. And Mm -hmm. so, 
um, there's a, usually a disconnect because the sales team, if you think about it, is only like interested in that short-term view. Mm-hmm. What are we going to, are we, are we, how are we going to close business this month or this quarter versus marketing is thinking longer term. And so if you're not careful and you're only getting your feedback from the sales team, you could end up with a very short-sighted view of what, what customers really want and, and potentially kind of work yourself out of business, right? Because, um, business is all about being relevant to customers. And if you don't have your pulse on what's relevant to customers, then all of a sudden um, you may not have a business. Yeah, I love that. It's like you're, because I do think it's super easy to get caught up in all the tactics. And I see this all the time. And it's like similar to what I do in my work with my clients is like, let's let's slow down for a second and like get to the root of like what's going on here. And then we can much better implement strategies and tactics that make sense on top of that, but unless we like get into that, then all this stuff is just like, just trying stuff and throwing everything, right? Yes, yeah, and I think especially in marketing, there's so much, I mean, I, I, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and I see so much advice on, you know, here's the play, exact playbook that you need to follow. And here's another best practice and playbook. And there's like 7,000 playbooks, right? And, right. and if you're in a, um, a business role and you don't really understand marketing and then you don't understand your customers, you may be tempted to take all these playbooks and start implementing and sort of skipping all the hard steps of building the foundation and just going to execution. Um, you will waste so much money and so much time. And that's usually when I get called in to these customers because they, they have said, oh my gosh, we've just wasted so much money and so much time. And we still don't know what our customers want. We've tried everything. We tried to DIY it. And we've tried everything that all of the, you know, supposed experts said we should do, and it's still not working. Mm-hmm. And so usually it's because there's a disconnect between um, what the customers want and what that company is delivering. Got it. Got it. Okay. That's awesome. So let's, let's shift back to, to you a little bit. And um, I'm curious, did you always want to be in marketing? And like, did you go to school and then come out and do that? And then what made you decide after that to um, start your own business? Yeah. So I, I reflect back on this. Um, when I was in middle school, I was always kind of this entrepreneurial, I was always wearing an entrepreneurial hat. So I started a babysitting club. Um, my friend and I wrote a cookbook and then we, we cold called people in the neighborhood using the neighborhood directory to sell it to every family with kids. Um, nice. Uh, I was always, I was selling something out of my locker all the time in, in high school. And so when I went to school, um, I was really, I really thought actually I wanted to be a journalist. So I was Mm -hmm. in the yearbook and newspaper club in high school and I loved the writing part of it. So when I started school, I thought, well, I'll be a a journalist. And then I found out um, the average salary of a journalist. And I said, oh, okay, just kidding. I'm going to switch to business. (laughs) (laughs) And... And I, of course, naturally was like, of the four choices for business, you know, marketing, management, finance, and accounting, the only one that really made sense was marketing for me. And so I chose the marketing path. So I ended up getting a degree in marketing. I got another degree in Spanish. Um, And then I, I did internships in both marketing and sales. You know, you couldn't at the time when I was going to school, and I don't know how prevalent it is now, but there was no degree plan or path for, for salespeople. So um, I did an internship in sales and I got an internship in marketing and I decided to pursue the marketing path versus the sales path, even though I really loved the sales side. 
I think it was just not a good fit maybe with that company. And so um, I ended up, you know, having a long corporate career in, in marketing um, before I decided to start my own thing. And I always loved when I worked in B2B working with the sales team. So, mm. you know, there's a lot of stories about how marketing and sales don't get along and, you know, the, the two different departments, they don't understand each other's worlds, but I kind of jumped jumped in headfirst to to really understanding the sales process and build relationships with the sales team. So I was very excited when I started my own thing. Um, I decided after, you know, working for 14 years in corporate that I was done and I wanted to move on and, and um, build a, a consulting firm. And um, I was excited because I then got to be wearing the sales hat. So, you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a small business owner, it was like marketing, client work, and then a lot of sales outreach and getting to to um, go back to that. So I was really, um, really excited. And I still love that. I still love kind of the marketing side and the sales side. So that's cool. my, my, my history. <laughs> yeah. And did you, were you like, I, I want to have more freedom? Like what was the impetus to, to make that shift? Yes. Yeah. I think I always had sort of that bug um, wanting to do my own thing. And now that I've uh, discovered a little bit more about my personality, it, it makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. I like to be the one in charge. I like to um, be setting setting my own path. Um, my dad also was a small business owner. So he started, you know, he worked in a commercial construction and he started his own commercial construction firm when I was in high school. So I got to watch him build his company and, and I kind of just knew, I always knew that I was going to take that path. It just was a matter of timing. Mm. Um, for me, I had young kids at home. My husband was um, just getting back into um, his, uh, a, a role within the HR function at his company. And so it was, we had to kind of um, wait for the right timing, but yes, it was about freedom. I was really um, excited to create something and to build something that, that was my own. Um, and to have more flexibility because we had young kids, you know, it was, I was really just um, missing a lot of their lives. I felt like because I was commuting back and forth to work and I was always in meetings and, you know, it was, um, it was something that I just was done with. <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So how old are your kids now? They are 14 and 15. Okay. And how old so were they when school. you made that jump? They were in elementary school, so okay, yeah, like second or third grade, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, and I bet now, looking back, you're so grateful to have done that, so that you got to spend all that time watching them grow up. Yeah, exactly. I got to be there, and it's funny because I, I've been working from home for this whole time, so their perception of my work is, you know, mom's <laughs> on calls all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's what she does. Her job is to be on calls all day. I don't know that I ever want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, it's so fun. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it funny? My kids, they're, they're like totally skewed perception of what like a normal parent who goes works nine to five is. Cause I, me too. I'm like at home and they're like, dad, don't go to work. I'm like, I'll see you in like an hour when I come get some more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Shh, be quiet. I'm on a call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back, um, it's interesting, I think as we as we become entrepreneurs and you like realize these parts of our personality and like how 
rewarding that can be when you get that amount of freedom. I, I remember when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, like really early 20s, and um, I applied for special forces to like go into the military because I was like, I don't know, I need to do something cool. And <laughs> I got all the way through the end of like the initial testing and they were like, okay, so here's how much you get paid and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I can't even like pay my bills with this. Like, no, <laughs> you know? And then now looking back, like I, I would have had the hardest time just having people constantly tell me where to be, what to do, how to do it, all mm-hmm. that. And so I think, you know, it's cool when you, when you jump into that entrepreneur thing and you realize like, oh, this is, I'm made for this thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's got its other challenges, but <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, so what, um, what are some lessons and challenges that you've had, challenges that you've had along the way and lessons that you've learned from them? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or just give me one. That yeah. I'm like, let me think. Um, there's so many. I think for me, one, one big one that's, that's resonating lately is just um, overthinking things. So I feel like I actually wasted a lot of time um, thinking about doing something, thinking about creating something, thinking about putting something out there, um, launching a product. And, and really should have just kind of been comfortable with getting an 80% there and being, and being willing to put it out there, even though it wasn't in my view, perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be one that I think now this year I have declared that it's about done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. And so I have to constantly remind myself. And I think a lot of marketers, you know, relate to that sentiment because we want things to look good. It's, you know, our, our personal brand as well as our company brand. And, um, but I think that's, that's one for, for entrepreneurs, especially is there, there is such a thing as, you know, having the right timing, mm-hmm. the right market timing, the right customer timing, the right business idea, and, and being able to take advantage of that. And if you wait too long and just, you know, tend to overthink things or wait to collect more information or more data or just are hesitant to, um, to take the next step, then you could miss that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with that in mind, I am actually launching this um, summer a, a mentorship program for aspiring marketing leaders. So it's really perfect for people who, um, you know, CEOs that have hired their first marketing person. Mm-hmm. And often what there's a disconnect because the CEO is not a non-marketer and they've hired a marketing person and that person doesn't really usually get any guidance. And so mm-hmm. they come in and they just kind of start executing tactics back to what we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And the CEO doesn't necessarily even know if the tactics are right or not. They just kind of choose a few things or maybe they saw a few things that they should be doing or had a little bit of success in one area. Um, and so it took me a long time though, to, um, work with, I, I have, you know, four or five people that I work with right now who I'm mentoring to help them understand how to build marketing strategies, how to, um, communicate value and ROI back to the, the C-suite. Um, mm. and we've, it's been really fun and rewarding to watch them grow into these, into these roles, um, where they are, are viewed as more of a strategic and credible member of the team. So, um, you know, it's, it took me, it took me a while though, to, to be able to put it together into a program and say, okay, yes, I think it's finally ready. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, you know, one example, I guess, of, of just putting it out there, right. And seeing how things go. 
Yeah. And, and so often um, it's useful to, to put it out there, not perfect because there's no such thing as perfect anyways, but um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, because then you can get market feedback, right? Like I'm sure a lot of the things that you do, okay, let's see what, what's needed, what exactly. can take away. And then you, and then it just speeds the whole thing up so much quicker. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I, I go, yeah, that, and that goes for content, um, any sort of content creation, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I've written uh, two books and I, I co-wrote these books with um, two other people. So you know, at least I had a, a couple other people to bounce ideas off of, but it was, it's quite the process, um, you know, when you're, when you're putting all of your ideas into a, a format like that, that's going to live out there, you really want it to, to be good because you don't necessarily have the opportunity to go back and revise it without some major, you know, overhaul. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but, but testing things, right. And testing it out on social media and little concepts and polls and interviews with people, I think just helps sort of validate things along the way. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So then along with that, what would be one of the, the greatest successes that you have that you're, you're really proud of? Yes. So I am probably a two things. Um, so as I mentioned, um, publishing two books, um, is something I'm I'm proud of um, just because of the sheer sort of effort <laughs> required. And I've, okay. I have a lot more respect now for authors and especially authors who have written multiple books because it's it's certainly a labor of love um, to put to put that together. So mm-hmm. that's just something um, you know, what I discovered along the way is the the amount of marketing and sales effort to get your book off the ground is really the same exact amount of of work and effort to get any sort of product or service off the ground. So, you know, it's just a matter of um, focus and care and and feeding on that. Um, The other thing I'm really proud of is, as I mentioned, so I, I, I do consulting and sometimes those consulting projects turn into, hey, we want you to continue to stay on as a, a fractional CMO. And so I get to um, help oversee the development of the things that I'm recommending as a consultant, right? Doing some strategic work. Um, and then it's been really rewarding to watch my um, the, the students that I have kind of that I'm mentoring grow into more leadership skills, right? And grow mm-hmm. their, their role, um, especially because I'm not really their direct manager. I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of working on their behalf and to, to be able to, um, to provide that role. I think mentorship is really, really important. And I myself never really had somebody that I could always rely on as a mentor. And so um, I'm really loving getting to play that role and, um, and getting to, to watch and help people grow in their, in their own career. Awesome. I love it. That's so great. Okay. Got a couple more questions for you. The first one being, so uh, you're a mom, obviously, and you have kids and you're an entrepreneur and you work from home. You have all these moving pieces and elements and layers. What is something that you found to be helpful to create some sort of uh, ba- balance? I'm putting air quotations for those listening audio <laughs> balance um, in all of that. Yes. Yeah, so I actually discovered, um, I'll give you a little bit of background. So when I, one of my corporate jobs, I was commuting an hour each way every day. So I spent two hours in the car, um, an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. And I, I didn't have any, that was my personal time. So Mm -hmm. I would, if I wanted to listen to something, um, 
you know, to get smarter, that was my opportunity to do that. Then I ended up getting a job that was closer to my house. And all of a sudden my commute was 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon. And so I joined a gym and I I called it the spa gym because it was this beautiful gym that you wanted to go to. They had all sorts of classes and they had this beautiful locker room with a steam room. And that became kind of like my personal time and personal space. And I have kept that uh, philosophy going into becoming a small business owner that there are certain things that, and rituals and things that I know I have to do for myself. And, and one of them is yoga. So that's, that's really my, it's one hour. It's um, but it, it really sets the tone for my whole entire day. And it's something that I've continued. It's been, I don't know, 10 years now um, mm. and just continue doing because I, it, it brings me like but positivity and balance and happiness. And again, it's only one hour. So that's, that's one thing. Um, and then I've discovered recently mind Valley. I don't know if you know them mind Valley. It's a, a personal development app, um, that you pay. It's kind of like masterclass. You pay for a membership and they have all of these classes that are really designed to help you, you know, get a little bit better every day. And mm-hmm. so it's a lot of personal, um, development and, and just insights onto, into yourself and, and what works and what doesn't for you. So I feel like I've been on that, that personal development journey for a while. Um, and if I reflect back, you know, that's something that, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time of your mm-hmm. day to, to spend on this, but it makes a huge impact. I mean, year over year, I can just, I can, I can identify like where I've, I've grown tremendously just as a, as a person, as a business leader, as a mom, um, because I've, I've spent that time and invested it in, in my own development. Yes. Uh, speaking my language, preaching. This <laughs> is like, you know, I think it's, it's easy to think that we're being selfish when we do that or that we're not giving, but, but it ends up having the reverse effect because then you're, you're not the best version of yourself. And so you show up not as good as you, as you could be when you're like centered and doing your yoga and learning and feeling, you know, all that. So. Yeah. And I would say it was interesting. Like I, I actually believed that a lot until I just, um, joined that gym and I kind of just had to, to take action Mm -hmm. instead of thinking about it and talking about it and worrying about it and feeling guilty about it. And then once I took action, I was like, Oh, everybody's fine without me. The kids will still get to school. They'll still eat breakfast. Like I don't actually need to be there to make all of this happen. And, and everybody kind of stepped up their role because it became um, non-negotiable. And so yeah. I think it's, you know, growth on everybody's part. So I would, you know, reflecting back on that, I would say that just stop thinking about it and take the action is really what made the major difference. <laughs> mm, I love it. Yeah. Just take quick action now. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, last question, what makes you feel alive? And this can be, this doesn't have to be work related. It can be anything related. Oh yeah. I love that. Um, what makes me feel alive? I mean, I am generally, I'm a very, very positive person and easily amused. And so it can be little, little things like going to my favorite juice shop, walking down to the beach, taking the dog on a walk. I mean, I'm just, I'm like constantly um, fascinated and easily amused by um, just life, I guess. Um, I'm also an extrovert. So I get a lot of energy from other people. That's been a little challenging, you know, working from home um, when I'm 
interacting with people mostly via video. So getting out into being social really energizes me and makes me feel alive because I just love the the connection with people and, um, you know, how much we all have in common. So <laughs> awesome. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. So um, tell us about your book. Tell us where people can find you. Um, yeah. Okay. Yes. So um, I am, you can look me up on LinkedIn. That's the best place to connect um, Stacey Danheiser. And um, my website is shakemktg, as in marketing.com. Um, the, there's links to the book. Um, the book is Standout Marketing. And the other one's called Valueology, which is about how to create your value proposition. Um, so those are the best places to go. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. The thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.